Uh, my name is Matt. I'm one of the ministers here. And our, yeah, our pastor, again, as you heard, is out of the state uh, watching somebody get uh, graduated. Uh, and if you've, if you've paid attention in this season, we're in a series called Not Your TV Dad, uh, because your Heavenly Father kind of has better wisdom uh, than what you got even from Family Matters uh, and other shows. And so... We, in this season, you, you've probably gotten uh, things called uh, grad party invites. You've probably heard the term uh, celebration, ceremony, grad, like it's just part of this season and the air we breathe. And so in this last year, you've had high school seniors doing their research and looking at different careers and colleges. Maybe they've gone on some visits. Uh, hopefully you saw the dorm you would stay in, not the nice one they showed you. And you've looked at the pitches from these schools of why you should go there. And hopefully uh, you've looked at the bills uh, because those are important and may decide and help decide where you go. But I looked online, there's this thing called College Decision Day. Uh, and I guess that's for the non-athletes who have signing day, and they, we, we want to be special too. So we're going to have college decision day. Uh, but at some point, all the scholarships are either given out or not. All the interviews to the honors college or whatever engineering program, whatever you're wanting to do, those are done, and you have to make a decision. You do. They don't let you flounder, and, and there's a certain date where if you don't decide, you're not in and that's exactly where we are in the Gospel of Matthew today. So if you got your Bibles, turn to Matthew 7. Uh, it's so good. You need your Bibles. Uh, my opinion and jokes will not change your life, but God's Word will. That's why we do this. Matthew, Matthew 7, verse 13. Uh, we're ending a, a big section, you may have heard of it, called the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and in the Gospel of Matthew, there's five major teaching discourses. This is one of them, and it's huge, arguably the most popular and most well-known sermon or group of sermons by Jesus ever that you will find in Scripture. And so it began, if you're, if you're a quick reader or a Bible scholar, in, in chapter 5, he's, he's got the disciples are there with him, and then the crowds are there around him. There's multitudes, and he starts teaching them. And he starts saying things like, blessed are the poor. You thought they were downtrodden, but I say they're blessed because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for you will be filled. And then he would say things like, you're salt and you're light. Um, and say things like, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I say, you look at a woman with lust in your heart and you've done it. He says, you've heard it said, love your friends and hate your enemies. But I say, love your enemies. And, and pray for those who persecute you. And then, and then he talks about how do you pray and how do you give and how do you fast. And he says, it's not for everybody else. It's for your heavenly father. And so you do it in secret. And when you get to chapter seven, he does a little bit on, hey, judging others. And this is how he closes it. That's where we are today. He's given them all the truth. He's given them the word from the Lord, his word, and now he's going to end this with a call to make a decision. So let's pick it up in verse 13. This is what Jesus says. He says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow 
And the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So again, Jesus is sitting there. He's given them his best stuff. And he says, now at the end, you guys are going on one of two paths. And I would argue he's setting that before us today. He says, there's two, two paths, and both of them have their own gate. There's a big gate for a wide path. Uh, and then there's, there's a small gate narrow gate that goes to a narrow path. And his call is not to admire the gate. And oh, it's very ornate, or this one's very modern. I like that, a little wrought iron. No, his, his, his request is that you would enter it. You would enter the gate. And if you keep reading the Gospels, Jesus will say things like in John 10, I'm the door. I'm the way. If you want to enter, you've got to go through me. And in Acts 4, he says clearly, there's no other name given under heaven by which man must be saved. Which makes sense. If you want to get into the kingdom, you must receive the king. And some believe that their eternity is set maybe because they go to church uh, or they got an uncle that was a pastor or a granddad who was a deacon. Uh, we, were, we were in Florida one time with some family. This is the first time I came across this. And we're, we're there, we're mingling, and there's a friend of the family that finds out uh, where I worked and what I did. And, and she was like, oh, you're, she looked at Shannon, looked at me, and was like, oh, you're, you're a pastor. That's great. Like, now I'm in. Because I know a pastor, and I thought she was joking, but then I found out very quickly she was not. Uh, and it's like, no, like, I, I could probably get you in, like, backstage near the baptistry at the church. Like, I've got access. i got keys. Uh, but uh, I am not your way into the kingdom. And so Jesus clearly says, you want to go the narrow way? It's me. I'm, I'm the gate, and you gotta, you got to enter it. And then he says, hey, there's a, wide, there's a wide way. Besides just the gates, there's also... There's different paths that are behind the gates. And he says, there's a big one. And it's attractive. It's fun. And you got a lot of friends on the road with you to follow and to lead. It's a big path. You, you might say uh, it's the party road. Uh, and however, just like many people on the party road, uh, you don't look at where it leads. And, and I would argue that the wide path probably has a freeway sign that says, this way to the kingdom, this way to heaven. Uh, but maybe Google Maps got it wrong because that's not where it leads, according to Jesus. And he said there's, there's a lot on, on the path, and it, and it doesn't lead to a good spot. And he says on the narrow way, there's few. It's not as popular. And he says it's hard. He says, you, you enter by me, you go the narrow way, it's not going to be easy. It is going to be hard. Uh, and, and it's not so popular. Few there are that find it. So if you hear anybody tell you, either on TV or here, that it's really easy to follow Jesus and to look and love like him, they either have not been following Jesus very long, uh, and it's about to get hard, or they didn't read or listen to what Jesus actually said about being a disciple. He said things like, hey, birds have nests and foxes have holes, but I don't have anywhere to nate my head. If you follow me, you, you may be reliant on faith and God will provide. He, he says things like, hey, if you want to follow me, you've got to hate your mother, brother, sister, father. And I know some students may be like, okay, I'm in. Uh, I don't like my siblings. But that's not what he's saying. He, he was saying, your love for God should be so great 
that your good love for a sibling, for your mom or your dad, even though it's good, should look like hate compared to how much you love me. It's supreme love, supreme surrender that he's calling for when he says, if you want to follow me, you take up your cross, meaning you die to yourself daily, and you follow me. The road is not easy. And then he says, there's two different ways that these paths are going. you got a wide path, and it leads to destruction. Like, it's not good. It leads to death. And then there's a narrow one, and that leads to life. Even though it's hard, it leads to life. And again, looking at where the road leads, it kind of reminds me of when, have you ever had a friend uh, tell you a story? And as they're telling it, you're kind of chuckling inside and you're like, okay, I know where this is going. And they tell you and they tell you, and then they get to the end and you're thinking, oh yeah, this is, yeah, of course, this is funny. But then the way they tell it, they seem shocked. They're like, I can't believe this happened. And you're like, really? Like, really, like we used to have uh, a student, I don't think their family's in here this hour, uh, that would tell me about how much they liked fire. And they would play with fire, and they would use matches. This person loved lighting things on fire, loved blowing things up. And, and they're telling me this. And then at the end, they tell me, yeah, a couple months ago, I almost burned down our kitchen. Uh, I don't know if mom and dad know uh, yet. Uh, and I was like, and, and they were shocked. They were like, I can't believe, can you believe that happened? And I was like, Yes! You were playing with fire for months and getting more. You're not a pyrotechnic. You need training. Uh, but in their mind, they were like, I came out of the blue. This is crazy. But the reality is his choices, okay, I don't wanna, I'm not going to say his name. Uh, his choices were not isolated. They were steps in a direction that leads somewhere. And so it's obvious where that's going. And that's what Jesus is saying. These our choices are not choices. You are on a path. You are on one of two. There's no secret option three. Uh, there's no what's behind door number five. Jesus says when you hear truth and you respond, you're, you're in one of two paths. Either you're on a wide way with a big old gate or you're on a narrow way where there's, there's fewer people and one leads to death, one leads to life, which is maybe why if, if you're making the argument to yourself, I should go this way because everybody's doing it. Must be right. It should be a red flag. And students, that's why that argument never works on your parents. Uh, because they know, they know this. Hopefully it doesn't work. Well, mom, but everybody's doing it. Well, maybe that's, maybe that's a wide path. Uh, no one ends up on the narrow road by accident. You don't. You don't just wake up and go, oh, I'm on the narrow road. This is great. There's life. No, it looks like you have to be intentional. You have to enter the gate, which Jesus claims is him. You're not going to end there by accident. It looks like when you read scripture that the default path is the big one. That's where we all are unless Christ rescues us. And so let's pick it up. Jesus, is, again, he's ending the Sermon on the Mount with four little, little sections all saying the same thing. Spoiler alert. Uh, verse 15, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. And so Jesus has given them his best stuff Here's the truth. And he says, you're on one path or another. And then he leans into, hey, 
When you read the Old Testament, you know there were people who claimed they were sent from God and with a message from God, but neither one of those were true. And he says that's still going to happen. And so if you have somebody come and give you a different gospel, give you a different truth, then you need, that's dangerous. It's, it's like a wolf in sheep's clothing. And when you look at that, you think, okay, that'd be weird for a wolf to be like wearing uh, a sheepskin, although that happens in the cartoons. Uh, but when you look in the Bible at Old Testament prophets, they spend a lot of time on what they're wearing. Like when you read Elijah, you, you see the camel's hair and the leather belt. This is not... Um, like, hey, you need this great fashion tip. And then when Mark uh, talks about John the Baptist, uh, and, and Mark is the shortest of the gospel, so he's not wasting time. And so why does he spend so much time on John the Baptist's uh, fashion vibe? Well, the reality is he's not trying to point out these were great first century ideas, and you may, you may want to repeat them and call it retro. No, he was, he was trying to connect John the Baptist with Old Testament prophets saying, hey, they look alike. And so when someone's walking around with sheepskins on, guess who wore sheepskins? Shepherds. And so these, these people that are coming as, as wolves trying to deceive, they're not just rolling up and saying, hey, I'm a, I'm a fellow believer just like you. They're coming and claiming authority and saying, I'm a prophet. I'm a teacher. I have a word from the Lord. And Jesus warns them about them. And in Palestine, they were some of the dangerous Thing. They were probably the most dangerous common enemy of the sheep. And Jesus says, that's not good. And so I'm going to give you a way to spot the counterfeits. And he says, you will know them by their fruit. Like you'll be able to tell, is this person from God? Are they claiming like truths of the Bible? Is what they're saying true by looking at their life? And so do you see the marks of a believer in them? Do you see humility? Do you see genuine affection for Christ and for others? Is the fruit of spirit growing in their life? Like peace. You look at Galatians 5, love, joy, patience, kindness, self-control. Like we need to be discerning not just who's up here, but who are you listening to on your podcast? Who are you turning on that is claiming to speak for God? And you need to look at the fruit. And it may take time to develop, but... Jesus is basically saying uh, it should be a red flag if someone claims to know the Bible and speak for God but does not love people and doesn't have the character of Christ. And an easy way to spot uh, a false prophet, by the way, is to look at what they do with Jesus. They always get it wrong. Either the person of Christ, the work of Christ, and it's not always what they'll openly deny, but it's what they leave out. Like there's this big word called repentance, kind of a big deal. Uh, there's this big thing called sin. Like if they're never talking about our brokenness, that's a red flag and you do not want to be deceived by them. And Jesus says, when in doubt, look at the fruit. Don't be deceived. Again, it should be a red flag if they've got a private jet uh, and diamond cufflinks and they're begging you to give to their Africa orphanage mission thing that should bother you or if they get the gospel wrong that's a big deal so Jesus has, has given them truth said you're on one or two paths and then he says watch out for false prophets who are purposely deceiving others and now it looks like in verse 21 it's possible to deceive ourselves let's pick it up not everyone who says to me Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name 
and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And so these people in there, it hits a little closer to home, doesn't it? Like these are not the pagans out there worshiping uh, Zeus uh, or all these false idols and burning incense. These are people who claim allegiance to Jesus, claim allegiance to the God of all creation. And they back up their claim with some spiritual achievements. Maybe they've used the name of Jesus and they've cast out a demon or they've done something religious and they think because of that, that they're in, they're in the kingdom. And so they're more surprised than anyone else when they're rejected from the kingdom. And if you look, look at the basis of their rejection. Uh, it's not about what they've done and haven't done, which should make sense to us because the gospel is not you're bad and now you're good. It's you were dead and he made you alive. You're a human being, not a human doing your, your and my works are not good enough. One could argue, on our best day, they're filthy rags. See Isaiah, right? And so it's not based on, on what they've done, and it's not even their professed allegiance. Maybe they have good theology. Maybe they know a lot about the Bible and about God. Maybe they have the chosen season two t-shirt and maybe the church logo on their back windshield, but it looks like that's not what gets you in, it's really, the way they get rejected is because they didn't know Jesus as Savior and Lord, and he didn't know them. It looks like we, you and I, can do things that on the outside look very spiritual and on the inside are not real fruit. Like if you're in my uh, adult, our, our adult small group on Tuesday nights, thank you very much. We're starting back up in the fall. We're going to divide and conquer, so we got room for you. Uh, but if you go in the kitchen, you'll find this nice glass vase thing. I don't even know what it's called. Uh, I don't even know why we have it, but it's got these lemons in it that look really nice. Uh, but then they look real nice and they, they seem great. And if you get some sweet tea, you're going to be like, oh, let me grab one of those lemons. The problem is when you try to cut it, you're going to realize it's plastic. It's not real. <laughs> it's not. And if you try to bite into it, which I don't know why you would try to bite into a lemon. Maybe you're trying to zest it for a little bit of lemon chicken. If you've got a Traeger, look it up. It's very good. Uh, recipe. But no, you can't do that because it's not real. It's not real fruit. And so that's what Jesus is saying. Sometimes you can get deceived uh, by things in your life that maybe are just religious activity, but it's not the same as, as a new heart. And so knowing Jesus as Savior and Lord has always been essential to belonging to the kingdom. So for all their religious activity, they're still on the broad road because religious activity is not a substitute for a new heart. And then Jesus finishes it up. He's like, hey, you're on two roads, and you've got two kinds of prophets, false and true. You've got two kinds of disciples. You know, you're either real or it's fake fruit. You've deceived yourself. And then he ends with this little parable uh, about two guys trying to build uh, a beach house, kind of, and, and a storm comes. So let's pick it up in verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man. I like that. Who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. 
And everyone who hears my words and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall. And so Jesus gets done Tell him about the past. Tell him about, watch out, don't be deceived. And then he kind of repeats it with a story about two, two guys uh, building houses. And what they're building on is what matters. And the difference is hearing and obeying and hearing and ignoring. Both of them hear the truth. Both of them hear the gospel. But both of them are going to build a house. And again, look, it's not about the materials of the house. This is not the big bad wolf and the three little pigs and I'm going to huff and puff and blow. Uh, but the little pig who had, the, you know, the brick house, he's good. No, they both built, it looks like a similar house. The difference was their foundation. What were they building it on? And that's the difference between them being wise and foolish. That's the difference between their house standing and collapsing. And where Jesus is going, that's the difference between eternity apart from God Eternity with God, like death and life. He's saying the consequences are eternal. And the foundation is what matters. And so the guy who hears and obeys, he's up on the rock or he's digging through the sand to get to bedrock. If you've ever seen a beach house, they have these big pillars. They're not just sitting on the sand because that would go really bad. Uh, hashtag hurricane season is coming. Get you some batteries, maybe some bottled water. Uh, but it looks like the same storm shows up to both these houses. It's not like, oh, well, if you build it on the rock, you're never going to have storms in your life. Again, the narrow way is hard, right? But one of them, the house is standing. One of them, it, it falls with a very loud thud. Your foundation matters. It does. Where's your foundation? Again, there are two guys called wise and foolish, and it all depended on their foundation. No one ends up on the narrow road by accident. And so the question I think God is asking us this morning is what is your house built on? Like, like where is it? Not what neighborhood, uh, not your actual house, but the house of your life. Like, what is the foundation? What is your response to Jesus' words even this morning? Because he calls you to choose Life, Like, do you hear Jesus' words this morning and think, man, that's good. That's really good. And you're going to walk out and, and go to lunch. Maybe you're fancy and you go to brunch because uh, you like pancakes. Uh, but you don't take the words uh, and put them into your life. You don't let them bear weight on your language, on your marriage, on your parenting, on your finances, your character at work where maybe nobody else is around. Like, that's... That's, that's not good. Or do you hear, and you're like, oh man, I'm, I want to be on the narrow road. And, but God, I need help because my heart wants to go in a thousand different ways than the way you say is where life and joy and peace are found. And you want to, you want to put that in your life. You want to apply it. You want to take God's word and you want to line your life up with it and not the other way around. What is your house built on? Secondly, have you been deceived? Have you been deceived either by a false prophet or by yourself? And we said it before, no one lies to you more than you, right? How many times have you told yourself, I'll just have one? And then that new bag of barbecue Doritos is empty. And you blame it on, oh, there's so much air in these. It was, it was really, you tell your wife, like, no, 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 I've had multiple lunches with this bag. No, 
<laughs> you lie to yourself. And some people, they might even say it. If you say, oh, are you, you follow Jesus? Yeah, I follow Jesus. I'm a Texan. No, you laugh. Some people think I was born in Texas, therefore I'm in the kingdom. Because uh, they conflate the two. Um, not, not good. Like, are you super involved uh, in religious elect- activities, know a lot about the Bible and theology, but all people annoy you? Uh, and if you were honest, your obedience is begrudging submission as opposed to genuine affection for Christ. Do you just force yourself to do what you know is right, but your heart really doesn't want to do it? The bad news is uh, you cannot make yourself love Jesus more by signing up for two connect groups and two mission trips. One of them's international. And then, because that's more spiritual, right? And serving in our kids' ministry weekly, you cannot make your heart change by doing the religious treadmill, uh, one pastor calls it the cul-de-sac of stupidity. And you just, keep, you just keep going in a circle thinking it's the way to life. So that's the bad news. The good news is God is really good at the new heart thing. That, that's kind of what he does. He, he has a knack for bringing life to dead things and taking hearts of stone and giving you a heart of flesh. So again, you can make yourself do things. You can't make yourself love things. You need God for that, which is why you never hear from up here the gospel is, hey, here's, here's your brokenness, and so your response needs to be obedience and worship. You need to run faster, try harder, pray better. No, they, they call that legalism. That's not the gospel. The gospel is you're, you and I are broken, and we need a Savior, not a second chance. And in response to our brokenness and rebellion, here's God's grace. And here's God's response was Jesus on the cross, finished work on the cross, taking all of sin and shame and being. Like I said, he became sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And he tells us if we agree with him about our sin and we turn or repent, go the other way and follow Jesus, we could be made new. Now with a new heart, you got a shot at obedience. You got a shot at worship. You, doing it on your own is willpower. And ask anybody in here who's ever been on a diet, how's that go? Uh, after a certain point, you run out of willpower. So if you're trying to obey in your flesh and not the weapons of grace, you're going to lose at some point. Maybe not right now, but, but you will. And finally, what path are you on? Like as, as Dylan and, and Jillian come up, like what path are you on? Are you on the wide path or are you on the narrow Path. If you don't know what path you're on, I would argue you're probably on the wide one. Because again, it, it takes a choice. It looks like the few that are on it, they found it and they went through the narrow gate, which is Jesus. And so have you heard Jesus' words this morning? And how will you respond? And so we'll give a time. We do this every week and we encourage you to take advantage of it, make the most of it. Uh, we're going to sing and we're going to talk about Jesus and our song and we're going to give you a time to respond where you can self-reflect and go, am I on the narrow path? Is, my, is the foundation of my life uh, on the right one? Is it on the rock or am I on the sand? Do I hear God's words and I obey or, man, do I admire it but I go, I go the other way? So you could pray where you're at and that's fine. God hears you. He's kind of big. 
Uh, you can come down to the front and, and pray. There's, there's nothing more spiritual about what we call the altar, but sometimes it's easier to focus and go, okay, here, here's where God's word is proclaimed, and so you're going to pray. And, and then finally, there's sometimes people, sometimes more strange than others, you know, we're, we're here, and we want to pray for you. And maybe you're in a spot where I'm not in a good place, and if I were honest, I don't want to do anything, Jesus said, but I know I need life. I know the path I'm on is not leading to a good place. And you want someone to pray with you, pray over you. That's what, that's what we do. Uh, and so we're going to give you a time uh, to respond. And then we've got a few uh, young ladies that we're going to pray over that God has, has sent and is sending uh, on mission uh, while we close out. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for us. But Jesus says no one ends up on the narrow road by accident. The, the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Choose life. 